listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. This is Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich. Since the appearance of the movie Glory in 1989, there's been a degree of public awareness of the role played in the Civil War by soldiers of African descent. But not much has changed since the movie came out. What other soldiers were there besides the 54th Massachusetts? That's the world we'll be exploring today with Richard M. Reed, author of Freedom for Themselves, North Carolina's Black Soldiers in the Civil War Era. Join us for that conversation on Civil War Talk Radio. Everyone faces conflict at home, at work, in the community, in the world. Fix Your Conflicts is a show about how to fix those conflicts with practical tips and techniques. Doug Knoll brings to the Internet airwaves the first of its kind, a show that teaches peaceful resolution to life's daily battles. That's Fix Your Conflicts with Doug Knoll, broadcasting live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Studio A. Marissa, are you ready yet? I know you can hear me. You are not missing school again. Marissa! You trying to be a nobody or something? Let's go! Alright then. Hit it. I know you can hear this. Hey guys, move closer. Girl, I am not leaving. Hey, whatever it takes, don't let your friends drop out. A real friend can make all the difference. Cut that noise, yo! I'm coming! Took you long enough. Thanks for the help, guys. For more ways to help, go to OperationGraduation.com. A public service message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from the campus of East Carolina University in North Carolina. Not, however, speaking on behalf of the university, nor do they speak for me. We get the legal disclaimers over with immediately and move on to the show. Um, we also get through the public service announcements at the beginning of the show, which uh, just strike me week after week. The uh, people who produce public service announcements seem to aim them at a population of, of uh, dropouts, gun toters, uh, various people who need all kinds of help. You don't hear public service announcements where they come say, I say, Chauncey, your estate is looking rather ragged. Oh, yes, Percival, I've been working on the yacht all week. Um, they're, they're all aimed at uh, the same stereotype, and I wonder why that is. I take no uh, responsibility. I don't choose the PSAs or uh, have anything to do with them, but uh, I find them curiously aimed at the Civil War talk radio audience. I do hope none of you will drop out of uh, high school or commit gun crimes uh, in the week ahead uh, until you hear the next public service announcement to keep you on the straight and narrow path. 
speaking of paths, I will be traveling, uh, as always, the Did Lincoln Own Slaves world tour as I continue to ruthlessly promote uh, Did Lincoln Own Slaves and other frequently asked questions about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, going to the Bluegrass Book Festival in Lexington, Kentucky, May 16 and 17. Uh, then the Filson Club, Louisville, Kentucky, on June 19th or 20th, either Thursday or Friday. Haven't quite scheduled that. Uh, Gettysburg uh, College for the annual Civil War Institute. I'll be there on Wednesday, June 25th. That one, uh, like so many of these, is not a, a paying gig, but I'm really hoping to get one of their shirts, uh, the the uh, polo shirt with the Civil War Institute logo on it that I got for speaking there some, I don't know, eight years ago now is just about tattered uh, beyond decency, and it's it's a great shirt, so I'm, I'm hoping I come out of that one with a shirt. Uh, and then Richmond, Virginia, July 8th. Because of uh, the Lexington trip and uh, because of commencement next week, I will let you know there will be no live shows next week or the week after. We'll, we'll go with reruns as I'll be either graduating students here at East Carolina or uh, on the road. After that, though, we will continue with some excellent shows. Gary Gallagher will be joining us later this month. Uh, I believe he's set for May 23rd. Uh, Kirby Ross has an interesting book, uh, several publications, actually, on gorillas in Missouri uh, for May 30th, and uh, more good shows coming up in June. So uh, please uh, uh, be patient over the next two weeks of reruns. Looking back a little bit, there's been some very interesting mail and email coming in here to Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters uh, from Robin Ansell, who was on the show not too long ago uh, as the, uh, what was his title, Secretary, President, uh, Emperor of the, uh, the U.K. branch of the Civil War Roundtable. He was kind enough to send some samples of the Centennial Civil War card that we talked about and several other guests have mentioned. Uh, I did not have these when I was growing up. They slightly predated me, but they are absolutely fascinating, uh, very colorful, uh, drawn cards with spectacularly gruesome effects. Um, uh, I, I see in one titled Bloody Combat, Kernstown, Virginia, uh, there's a Union cavalryman, uh, apparently one of Russia's lancers, uh, because he's carrying a lance, and he has run the whole thing through a Confederate victim. It's uh, uh, And while the lance is an unusual weapon, we see the same effect in uh, another card called Death Battle, Seminary Ridge, July 3rd, 1863, which a Confederate soldier has thrust his entire uh, bayonet and about half of his rifle barrel through a Union soldier who looks quite unhappy with the proceeding. Um, remarkably violent uh, illustrations for children uh, to get us, uh, when we were young, interested in the Civil War. So, Robin, thank you for sending those. They are, are, are indeed fascinating. And several emails have come in pointing out, uh, this is sort of a regular occurrence, how difficult it is to find the old shows, find the archived shows on the website. Uh, the color scheme of dark gray on black, uh, clearly designed by someone trying to makes kind of postmodern point that the harder it is to find something, the more you'll value it, perhaps. I don't know. Um, but hopefully over the summer, when we take our annual summer hiatus, uh, I may be able to arrange possibly an alternate website. 
that would not have the shows on it necessarily, but at least information about the shows, titles of the shows, and maybe and instructions on how to find the archives. So something to look forward to there, hopefully, if that goes well. Well, it is spring here in North Carolina. It has been a very wet spring, but it is quite beautiful and comfortable now, the nicest time of year in many ways. The, uh, uh, the students are, are all home studying for their exams, except those few I've had to call in for uh, plagiarism hearings, uh, an annual ritual that is unpleasant for all concerned, uh, but, but does unfortunately happen. Uh, and uh, my daughter's travel soccer season has ended with our inability to quite beat the team from New Bern, North Carolina. Uh, we were outnumbered. We played two players short and still barely lost to them, challenged them to a full-scale rematch. They chickened out. So we have to wait till we're all U14s in the fall and play them again. But I mentioned New Bern because that's going to come up in our talk uh, right now as we move to uh, the subject of today's show which is North Carolina's black soldiers in the Civil War era, uh, described in a book with the title Freedom for Themselves by Richard Reed. Uh, Richard, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, Richard, thanks for being on the show on, on oh. short notice. I appreciate that. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, do you go by Richard, Rick? Yes. Uh, Richard is good? Richard is good. If you don't mind, thank you. Um, and please call me Jerry. The, the last name is unpronounceable. Um, I'll call you Jerry. Uh, well, Richard, uh, this book of yours, uh, Freedom for Themselves, North Carolina's Black Soldiers in the Civil War Era, uh, produced by University of North Carolina Press uh, about North Carolina, uh, but you are up in Canada. Uh, That's right. Uh, tell uh, You and I haven't had a chance to meet before. Tell me a little bit about your background. Well, I'm uh, a Canadian, and I did my university in, um, in Canada. But when I was an undergraduate, my father, who was also a professor, taught uh, for a brief time at Duke University. And uh, it was visiting him there and seeing the repositories that I guess was part of the reason that I uh, ended up doing a Ph.D. in, in Civil War uh, North Carolina history. Where, where did guess, you do your uh, doctoral work? Pardon me? Where, where did you do the, the yeah, doctoral work? the University work? of Toronto. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, just down the hall, Tim Jenks, is a, a UT man. Uh, um, and there were a number of, of Canadians who were down at Duke, so there was a, a, some natural connections that way, I guess. Um, I suppose for a young graduate student, or a initially as a young undergraduate in Canada, there were aspects of the Civil War that I found contradictory that, that attracted me to, uh, to this kind of a topic. Um, once again, with the simplicity of a foreigner looking at the United States, I wondered why you would find a country that would be torn apart by secession and the section that wanted to leave the country um, then set up a government which was remarkably similar to the constitution of the old government. Um, and by the time I had understood some of the uh, explanation behind that and the ways in which the constitution of the Confederate States of America differed from the, the original constitution, I was by that time hauled into uh, Southern history. Uh, 
so the, the, the hook was set. Did you work on, uh, what, was, what was your dissertation topic? I did a dissertation on dissent in North Carolina during the Civil War. So I looked at a number of uh, facets of it. Now, I'll, I sometimes use that as a uh, what-not-to-do model for my doctoral students here. Uh, it wasn't something that would lend itself to being published as a book. Um, but it allowed me to explore a number of different aspects of um, uh, the Civil War in North Carolina, desertion, legal uh, issues, uh, uh, newspaper editor like Holden. Um, and so it was, it was a combination of, of tensions that you could see within the state through the Civil War. So you mentioned uh, using it as a, an example or a negative example with your, your own doctoral students. You're at the uh, University of Guelph, I understand? Yes, I am. And uh, where is that uh, precisely for our, our non-Canadian listeners? Um, the easiest way for an American to locate it would be it's directly north of Buffalo, about um, 80 miles, to the west of Toronto and north of Buffalo. So in, in the province of Ontario. Yes. And uh, as we mentioned, you and I talking briefly this week, uh, uh, I'm a big uh, Detroit Red Wings fan. It's Stanley Cup time, and the Wings won again last night. It's, uh, it's a big time. Uh, uh, Canada has only, uh, well, I guess the Canadians are still in the, uh, in the tournament. Yes. Hockey, hockey might be <laughs> not the topic to talk about. <laughs> Not, not at this moment. No, things have not gone well for. No, they haven't gone well for a while. For uh, a while. Canadians are a little discouraged. Well, hope, but hopefully it, that will. It could be worse. You could be, a, you know, a rooter for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That who haven't won since I think '62. And yet they 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 are followed with the fervent religious uh, intensity that is, is is hard to to grasp to outsiders. Uh, well, I think part of it is that so many young Canadians at one point play hockey at some level um, so that there's an experience, be it peewee or atom or whatever. Um, so there is, uh, hockey does have hold of the popular imagination. And tying us back to our topic of the day, the, mm-hmm. the uh, I mean, there is a, a very provincial tendency of Americans to view Canada as uh, a sort of great northern suburb, uh, and hockey is, is merely one of many subtle or distinct cultural differences between uh, the two countries. But you point out you had really a, a perspective, an outside perspective on the American Civil War. Uh, and I'm wondering about your students, uh, is, is what I'm getting to here. When you teach this subject, uh, how do they view this? Is it just another history class uh, to them, do, do they connect to it in any way? Well, I think that they have far less background information <clears throat> on the war than uh, than almost any American student in university would have, because we don't get very much American history in the public school system. So they come in not knowing a great deal about it. Um, but not surprisingly, very interested in issues that revolve around slavery um, so it, it it's not difficult to get them interested but it is difficult to have them 
fully understand um, why white Southerners would feel they were fighting for freedom. That's a, a, a challenge anywhere. So perhaps, perhaps a larger challenge uh, I've I found is, is trying to explain what Northern soldiers were fighting for. Uh, that, that if, if not for freedom, one can at least recognize Southern soldiers fighting uh, to defend their their home state mm-hmm. uh, against what seems to them an invading army, whether they are invested in slavery or not. Uh, but well, northern soldiers fought with with great passion, and that's that's harder to convey, don't you think? Yes, um, I mean, it's it may be difficult for them to understand the the concept of civic virtue and how strong a hold it had on large numbers of Americans in the mid nineteenth century. Um, one of the things I find that is difficult. I, I can get the students to think of the South as uh, a combination of regions, but most of my students tend to think of the North as a monolithic block. Um, and the idea that, that there are as many gradations across the, the North in terms of their attitude towards uh, secession and slavery and the war as there might be between the Upper and Lower South or um, southeast and southwest. That's one of the things I have some difficulty with. My mentor, uh, David Donald, once uh, taught in Civil War class at Harvard, and I got to assist him several times. And I was fascinated first that he taught it differently, uh, different times through. He, he was not complacent with it. And one year he took the tack of teaching it as a, a regional conflict, not between two regions, but between uh, uh, eight or a dozen even. Uh, just as you say in the South, you have the, the Upper South and the, the, the different parts of the Lower South. Uh, he made the same point about the North, the greater New England uh, that had spread across the Upper Midwest, but also the Lower New England or Lower Midwestern states. And, uh, and, and in fact, um, when you use as an example the, the raising of, of black troops and the service of black soldiers in the Civil War, the students begin to get a sense of just how different uh, attitudes were in across different parts of the North, and um, the response to soldiers, um, the the willingness to see black troops as as important, uh, the persistence of racism in some places. All of these, I think, can come out using that as uh, the black troops as a as a as a lens or a focus. Well, let. let... That brings us to your book, which let's look at uh, uh, here. You you chose to study North Carolina's black soldiers in the Civil War era, as the subtitle of the book, and uh, University of North Carolina Press uh, produced it is up to their physically up to their usual magnificent standards. It's really a, a good-looking book, and when it arrived, my, I remember thinking uh, initially, well, this. Uh, I wonder how many North Carolina black soldiers there were, how many regiments, one or two, a dozen. I, I, I didn't know that immediately. And uh, upon reading it, I find that there are four. Uh, what, what brought you to choose North Carolina as, as the, the, the lens through which to view the, the black military experience? Um, well, part of it was the research I'd already done in my dissertation. 
So I knew of some of the resources that were available in North Carolina. And um, when I was researching the, the dissertation, I came across an anecdote that stayed in my mind. Uh, it had to do with a raid that General Edward E. Wilde led through North Carolina um, late in 1863. And when the raid was over, he wrote an angry letter to his superior, claiming that, um, or saying that uh, his efforts to um, find guerrillas um, to free uh, blacks being held uh, and to open up some of the territories was undermined by outriders that had been sent ahead of him to warn the Confederates that, and the quote was, Wilde and his nigger stealers are coming. And what he was upset by was that it was another Union officer who would send the warnings out. So these are Union troops warning Confederate civilians. It was a Union officer sending out warnings to Confederates. And that struck me as, well, um, one of those examples that you can't understand and therefore cause you to um, begin to dig deeper into the issue. So that got me initially interested in North Carolina. Well, now, we're, we're, let's take I a look, break here. We're going to take yep. a short uh, uh, interruption here and come back in just a moment uh, and explore this question further. We're talking today about black soldiers in North Carolina with author Richard M. Reed. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and we'll be back in just a moment on Civil War Talk Radio. <laughs> 